BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, what's going on, my peeps? Hope everyone's doing very well. This is the No Bad Dogs podcast. I'm Tom Davis, America's canine educator. This is the podcast where we love, live, and of course, work with dogs. Today, we have a fiery, uh, really good podcast with a client that I'm working with. We go over everything from what the hell is going on with positive reinforcement training and force-free training, and we talk about how to control a really big dog that doesn't like other dogs. We also discuss, uh, hey, somebody's coming to live with us for a couple weeks, and my dog doesn't like him. What do we do then? So there's so much good stuff in this, and there's so many different turns that it takes, and um, it is it is a good one. I hope you guys enjoy it but before we get into it i just want to say thank you to my sponsors over at dogtra Dogtra dogtra.com as you guys know dogtra is the only remote collar that i use in my training videos on youtube as well as here i talk about on the podcast i also want to say hello and welcome to my new sponsors and partners herm springer herm springer as you guys know is the only I'm sorry, the only prong collar that I'll use on my dogs when I'm training and I'm helping people. Herm Springer has been a monumental, game-changing company in the dog training industry all over the world, and I couldn't be more excited to partner and work with them. We're going to create content. We're going to make things different in in the training world. And uh, they have always, 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 always been there for us over 100 years. And, um, you know, they're just the best. And so I want to thank them and I want to welcome them on. And as you guys know, uh, the Herm Springer collection can be found on my website at americascanineducator.com. And let's jump right into this, peeps. Hey, Tom. Hey, Connor. How are you, man? Good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Okay, cool. Where do we go? Um, Whereabouts do you live? So I'm in Minneapolis right now. So a couple blocks from where all the, the riding took place. Oh, fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's been a little wild here. Sure. Um, so I, I actually found you from um, from YouTube. I saw that, that video you put out about um, how your St. Bernard was attacked on a walk. And um, I have a St. Bernard, Milo. We adopted him in February. And it was through rescue. We got to meet the family. He was great with, you know, everything about him was great. So, so we took him home. Um, but now he's just pretty uh, leash reactive on walks. And he might be a little human aggressive as well. Um, and it's just like trying to mitigate those risks and do everything that's, that's good for him. Right. So we took him to like a four-week obedience, um, like a, a, a boarding train program. Mm-hmm. And it was more like for hunting dogs, but he was great by the end of it. You know, you, you could walk him past dogs. You could go, you know, he, he was just fantastic. Everything worked out. 
then we got them fixed and then kind of all these problems are slowly creeping back in. Um, okay. and I just wanted to get your advice about how to handle this situation. Um, sure. So, so what is, you said Milo? Yeah. Milo. Yep. How old is, how old is he right now? He's three. Yeah. He's, he's three years old. Okay, cool. So, uh, you got him fixed. You've had him. How long have you had him? You said, um, since February. So maybe five, five or six months now. Okay. And yeah. so what are you, what are you primarily dealing with, with Milo that, uh, that you're worried about? Oh, okay. So I'll bring it into two parts. Like on a, on a walk, if he sees another dog and it's across the street, yeah. um, he, you know, he's just very re- reactive towards it. And, um, I've what, been working with him. Yeah. I was just going to say, what does he do? I just, I like to get a feel for like the reactivity and how he reacts. Yeah. So he'll, I mean, he'll bark and lunge. Um, and if you're like my, my, um, f- fiance, she takes him for a walks and, twice now he's pulled her like into the street. Um, so I would, I would say it's pretty severe. Um, I, I mean, I don't think he's aggressive, but he, he might be. Um, so the reaction, and, is, the reaction is to other dogs. And when he sees other right. dogs, he then wants to go and investigate a bit. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So through the board and train program, um, you know, he's like conditioned to an e-collar. He uses a prong collar. So when he lunges, I try to like correct him and it's really cool to watch him, his thought process, because it's, you know, you can see him stare and like kind of load onto a dog, you know, like yeah. ears up, he's panting head forward. And sometimes he makes a great decision not to bark. So then I use a treat to reward that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just a really strong dog. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's kind of like the dog re- reactivity. And if another dog is coming on the same side of the street, I kind of just move into the grass or move into the the yard, and and then it's really not a problem. Um, so I'm looking to get that under control. And the trainer who we've been working with, he's telling me um, just due to his size, we might be under underwhelming him with the correction. Yeah. Um, and I really don't know what to do because, like, we're using an e-collar, we're using a prong collar, and he's still having all these tendencies. Yeah. Um, so he was saying it might be more like a timing issue. So I'm trying to, like, stop his thought progression. You know, like, when you see him, like, loading, I try to, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. kibosh that. Yeah. So. Yeah, usually, um, you know, with, with with everything that I do and, and, you know, the amount of dogs and the equipment that I use – it's there's so many different variations and and that's the fun thing about working with dogs is it's never never really a dull moment there's always some sort of variable that's different in almost every case and i would agree that uh, a lot of times dogs uh in their owners when they're out the especially with a big dog i mean that's the thing like um you know my saint bernard really taught me a lot about training tools in general and mm-hmm. that's, that's why he found that video probably in you know he, um, he ran away. F- you know he he played chicken with a, with a train, which is what led me to the e collar. <laughs> I said, okay, I almost just watched my myself and my dog get pummeled, so that led me to the e collar. And then of course the prong collar came shortly after, where I was like, wow, this is a huge difference. I wonder what else we can do. So yeah. tools in general, um, has really taught me a lot about working with dogs and how every dog is different. Even with my dog, he's. You know, and Saints vary, but he's 140, 145 pounds, and you know, my girlfriend's 
100 pounds soaking wet. You know, my dog walker, slow, you know, um, smaller, you know, and even for me, like he's a big dog if he wants to go. So the most important thing is, is making sure that the correction that we are applying and contributing to the situation is effective and isn't underwhelming. Yeah. Um, which I just feel like bad about cause we use like, um, it's like a sport dog yeah. collar. Yeah. Um, and like his working levels, you know, in, in a one, like if you, if you like correct him at a two, like he definitely like shakes it off Yeah. and anything higher than a three, he, he vocalizes on. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just kind of feel bad because it's like one, you can't be doing this. Like you can't be pulling people into the street. Right. Um, of course. It, and I'm just trying to like find a good balance between that and what you would recommend doing. Yeah. Or um, it, it, it's, yeah. it's really what I would be suggesting and I always try to, you know, go from the point of view of if you were standing right in front of me with your dog, I'd say, well, let's see your heel. Let me see what your heel is like. Let me see what your your leave it is like. You know, how how disengaging are your verbal cues to the dog to deescalate the situation before they build to that boiling point? Yeah, um, and and he's, I mean, his his I would say his obedience is pretty good. Like he walks at a proper heel. He'll sit, lay down. Mm-hmm. Um, if he like, I take him. My um, family has some property like out in the woods, and he's off leash there. And he like you know responds to recall and everything like that. Um, it's more working under d- distractions. And if there's another dog, it's you know fifty fifty if he'll sit for me. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Is like, for an example. If you came in and you said, hey, Milo has some reactivity issues, again, I'd say, let's see your obedience. And if it's 50-50 with minimal distractions, that's the first place to start. Okay. Because it's, like so, it's, it's more of an undermining um, behavioral engagement standpoint. So, so my point is, right. is, if you can't get him to sit, if there's a minimal distraction, the likelihood of you breaking down the behaviors when there's another dog, which is a higher distraction is going to be very unlikely. Right. So, so what I've been doing to kind of combat that is like, we'll we'll go on walks and I I have a good idea of like what his threshold is for, Mm -hmm. for other dogs. So I try to like get closer every day and just like work on his obedience while he's like within his threshold. Um, but it's just a slow process because with how hot it is, like I only walk them, you know, like at night or like in the early morning. Um, um, any, cause I, I don't have like a second dog or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, that's how I've been trying to like, you know, practice that. Yeah. Um, is there anything else? Like, cause I thought about using like a dog park as a distraction, um, and like keep him, you know, like 50 yards away from the fence and just try to, you know, like work on his threshold there. Um, but as soon as the other, another dog barks or reacts, like it's, you know, he's gone. Um, so I don't know if that's a good option. It is. It is a good option. I think that there's just like an, you know, with, with what you're dealing with, there could be a, a smaller incremental option, you know, like okay. maybe not having it so A to B, like A, A and a half, A and oh, three quarters, okay. A, you know, whatever. And then to B. Um, so maybe not jumping from no dogs to dog park dogs or – whatever. Um, and then of course the variable of the other dog always plays a, a very high contributing factor into the success. 
Yeah, because I've noticed, like, he kind of matches the other dog's energy. If the dog's neutral and, like, it, you know, it's just, like, hanging out, then Milo's okay with it. Mm-hmm. But if he gets any type of confrontation, like, any, like, eye staring, you know, he's, you know, he's going yeah. to uh, react to that. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's very primal. Um, yeah. You know, dogs yeah. are very, like, at a raw state of a product of their environment and reacting off of their environments, you know, kind of like, I don't know, like a five-year-old or a six-year-old, you know, like mentally, <laughs> if they're just sitting there and another kid comes running in and screaming and yelling and having a good time, that other kid's just going to react. You know? Yeah, so- that's very much him. Yeah, and as soon as, you know, yeah. as soon as we kind of get mature and we become aware of politically correctness or whatever you want to call it, um, then we act differently. You know, somebody comes yeah. in really excited. In our mind, we're like, wow, this is cool. But we don't do anything. So anyway, right, so dog, right. dogs are like that. They're very like, I'm joining. This is this is all game. So with that being said, um, that's probably what's happening. And it does play a big role with um, a lot of people. Like they go out and they go, sometimes this, sometimes that. Well, it's really just the inconsistencies of the evolving environment. And that's why the borderline or the bottom line, I should say, is making sure that your obedience with the dog is where it needs to be. And I think okay. you just need to work on that incrementally and continue to get better at it um, and continue to like desensitize it and, and just keep working at it. And I tell that to a lot of people, you know, if you're dealing with a dog that is having issues, <clears throat> excuse me, having issues, you just have to realize that, you know, throughout the process, it's, it's really just going to be about making sure that you're, practicing enough i think some people get discouraged when they go out and they practice and they their dog gets overreactive and they fail and for me it's like well you have to keep practicing there's there you just have to keep throwing yourself into that situation right and making sure that the corrections that you're doing are are favorable to the situation yeah so i'm i'm also using like um I've been trying to like take take a more like of a balance approach. Mm-hmm. So I've been using treats, but I'm trying to reward only like I'm worried I might be rewarding the wrong parts because like when he's like in drive and he's like, you know, like loading onto something. Yeah. I try to distract him and get him to come towards me. And once he makes that choice, I reward that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really don't know if that's the right thing to be doing because I don't want to like reinforce the wrong behavior, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and you also have to be careful to not heighten up the stimulation because, uh, you know, the arousal the arousal state, if you will, where there's another dog, he kind of climbs through elevations of stimulation, gets excited or, or whatever. Yeah, and there's some days he's, like, so jacked just coming out the door, and it's like, oh, I know this is going to be a bad day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, how, how do you de-arouse a dog then? Yeah, well, it's really through engagement work. Um, so you're, okay. what you want to do is you want to take that, you want to take that stimulation and that excitement and that uh, drive, and then throw it into obedience. So what I would do is okay. do a lot of directional changes, or what I call a tune-up. I do it with almost mm-hmm. every single dog that I work with, coming out, turning, telling the dog to heal, and then really getting them excited to work with you instead of excited to go out for that walk and find another dog. So you're almost okay. outletting that that energy into you know it's kind of again I I, I, re, I revert a lot back to human psychology, and it's kind of like a kid where they're like jacked off the freaking roof, you know, crazy on like sugar high or something. You're like, hey, let's go clean up the garage, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of like the same that's thing. 
Okay, so kind of just redirect all that focus. Yeah, onto you. Okay. Um, a lot of, po- okay. a lot of, uh, just get him focused on you. A lot of engagement. Um, but the, but the one thing you definitely don't want to do is take that energy and look at it as something like a negative where you're like, okay, this is, you know, he's in a really like jacked up state of mind. So just say, okay, well, what can I do with him to utilize that energy and to use utilize that motivation? Right. Right. Cause I don't want to squash it. I, I, I want to like, mm-hmm. cause he's so like animated, you know, in that moment, it's like, this could be really good yeah, or it could fun. be really yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, so it's dogs. really fun. To, yeah. It's really fun to see him like that and just like. I don't know. He, he like, you know, he, he's just a lot of weight to be moving, yeah. you know, when he starts running and yeah. Uh, so he, he's a fun dog. Then, um, and kind of like the second part of my question is he's always been suspicious of people mm-hmm. and like on walks, uh, you know, like we can walk past a person on the same side of the street and there's, there's no issue. Um, but it's happened a couple times now where he, like how he loads onto a dog, mm-hmm. he'll do that to another person. And it's kind of when he's like surprised by them, like people coming out of their porch. Um, and so I, you know, I've been like aware of it, but you know, I'm not too worried cause he's pretty consistent. Um, but then I, um, so my Kenzie, Kenzie and I have this place together and her cousin is a traveling nurse and she's going to come live with us for a while. Mm-hmm. So she came last weekend and Milo really does not like her, um, you know, like barking, growling, he's lunged at her. So we, uh, for the weekend, um, I just kept him on a leash, like in the house and, you know, I, I keep him in a down and, uh, I try to just reinforce that. But yeah. it's to the point where I wouldn't trust Milo around her. So we've just been putting him in, in his kennel and kind of get him like used to her. Yeah. Um, but she's going to be with us for six or seven weeks. And, you know, I don't think it's fair to like keep him locked up in the kennel. So like how like what are the steps to get him to, yeah. you know, be, be more OK with her? Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, safety is key yeah. during these stages. Uh, but there is like a lot of incremental stuff that you want to do it's not a binary switch of like oh you know he likes her it's gonna be it's gonna take some time and then you know there is a chance where certain dogs just don't vibe with certain people and it may not have anything to do with them as a human being it just it is what it is um you know so uh the things that you could be doing are going for just structured stuff anything structured so not just hanging out not just laying around um going for a walk together is the best thing to do um, and just okay. say like, Hey, let's, let's, let's just go for a walk together, put him on the leash, have her pay no attention to him and vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. and then throughout the stages, you know, that there's that, like the operational type investigative stuff, like where you have to be kind of careful. Cause there's that gray area of like you wanting to get a little, you wanting him to get a little bit close to her, but not close enough to where he makes a mistake. So, right. <laughs> there is that. And he, and so I like, and I've attempted to do that and it's for me, I was a little worried because, you know, he's just like, you know, smelling her and mm-hmm. she's, you know, not looking at him hands, you know, I, I think, I think she did everything right. Um, but he's just still loading onto her and like, just, you know, like really intense stare. So I would grab his collar to pull her off of her, you know, yeah. but then the moment I put pressure to his collar, he, you know, yep. starts barking at yep. her. Um, yeah. So do you and that's the situation I'm I'm like worried about because it's like how do I pull him off of yeah. her but still have it be a good in, interaction? Two, yeah, two things, two things for sure. With that is, um, you know, the best thing to do is is 
if applicable, uh, go outside first, just to okay. just to meet her outside and then walk in together, because putting a putting a, a stranger to him inside of a house with any potentially protective dog, it doesn't matter if it's a Shih Tzu or a Saint, um, just doing that. And then the other thing is just utilizing your remote collar, especially if okay. he's especially if he's sensitive to it. Oh my gosh, that's that's why it's there. So if if, yeah, he, I, if he does anything, he's a big, he's a big baby. <laughs> yep, utilize that. Yeah. Use that to your advantage. I mean, okay. if he does anything that you don't like, especially off leash. I mean, honestly, what I, here's my setup. I would do e collar, prong collar, and a leash um, to keep it short okay. and sweet. Because even the timing of the e collar correction, if he does, you know, lunge at her or something, isn't gonna isn't gonna be that effective no. at that moment. Yeah. But what you want to do is just leash, collar, e collar, not. Okay. Nothing probably different from when you would bring him out to walk him. But when he comes in, just make sure that you're correcting him for doing any of that stuff you don't like. Um, and then as, as kind of time goes on, using that remote collar as well. The other thing that I would suggest too, uh, especially if she's going to be around for a while, which she is, is uh, conditioning some muzzle work with him. Just getting, a okay. big, just getting a big muzzle for him, condition him with it. That way, uh, when the leash and the prong collar comes off and the e-collar stays on, you can say, "Hey, cousin, uh, you know, you know, Mikasa, Sukasa, just stay away from uh, Milo. And if he ever makes a mistake or he does anything you don't like, two things is you can correct him with the e collar, and then uh, everybody's safe because he has a muzzle on. So if he lunges at her and tries to like nip her or whatever, uh, he's yeah. not, he's not really going to be able to do that. So it kind okay. of eliminates a lot of the stress in the build. But um, you just have to be careful because you don't want to really associate her with the muzzle." So the best thing to do is to yeah. start muzzle training all the time. Okay. Okay. And she's not, I mean, she's coming in like two weeks. So I have time to like perfect work with him. Yeah. Start um, it, start it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what, what I plan to do, cause she like her and I have like a week to work with Milo essentially. Mm -hmm. So I was going to like, you know, keep him in his crate and like, he can just observe like Brittany doing like her own thing around the house. Um, and then every so often we just go on a walk together and I thought it would be good if she engages with him with just like obedience, like, you know, like having him sit and lay down and like those type of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that will resolve a lot of their relationship because, you know, we, we have other family members that come to, to the house and he's great with them, you know, like no problems. Like he is a little suspicious, but nothing like this. Um, yeah. So is there, is there a muzzle you'd recommend? Cause I've been, I've been on like Lieberg and stuff like that and they yeah. have like a ton of muscles. Is there anything specific I should avoid or. Mm, Baskerville's pretty good. Um, okay. Because the dogs can still accept treats through it, and they can breathe pretty good through it. Um, I don't okay. love the cloth ones because they can still nip pretty bad and hurt. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've been bitten through a Baskerville too, but it's it's nothing like anything else. Um, you know. So there's so anyway. So yeah, the Baskerville, probably size five. Uh, I'd get two sizes, and okay. then just return whatever one it doesn't work. And then for the Baskerville. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they're on Amazon too, so it might be a little easier to just buy two, like one size, you know, pretty much three sizes, small, medium, yeah. large of like around that area. But four is definitely going to be too small. So start off with maybe a five and then maybe get a six and then, okay. um, yeah. And then try those two sizes. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Thanks. Sure. Um, yeah, th those are really my main two questions. Um, 
and, and maybe like, cause I know you do a lot of dog be- behavior type stuff. Yeah. Um, so we, we got Milo and it was, he was being a rehomed because of dog aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was more on the family part cause they had like seven kids, five other dogs. And Whoa, then they yeah. introduced and then they started breeding Milo with like other dogs in the house. And then they brought another intact male in the house, and then he had a fight with that male. Yeah, so, that sounds terrible. Well, yeah. So given the whole situation, um, the dog they brought in, their son has um, epilepsy or some seizure disorder. So it was a mm-hmm. seizure dog. So they had to rehome Milo. And it was so cool watching him interact with the family. Like he's a big teddy bear. The kids are climbing all over him. He was great with all the other dogs. And then we moved to, to here, and now all this stuff is kind of, like, emerging where, like, we didn't see it when we picked them up. Yeah. So well, do you have any thoughts on that? I do, yeah. I think I think it's still early in your relationship, too. Um, okay. I think that, you know, still having him for less than a half a year is still – he's trying to still figure his, his stuff out. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, like, a, a very, very, very big culture shock to him, too, can yeah. make him, you know, a bit frustrated and feel a little – um, you know, a little like jobless, if you will. Okay. Where if he has a bunch of kids and it's a busy, it's a very busy house from what I, from yeah. what I say. And then going from that to, you know, your environment is, is a huge change for him. So you may see signs of, you know, kind of like dog depression, if you will, where they're kind of bummed because they feel like they're missing somebody or something, which don't look too much into that because dogs, honestly, there's a lot of dogs, I'll give you a perspective, a lot of dogs that come to our board and train facility, you know, people pay thousands of dollars for a couple of weeks, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, dogs don't know the difference between getting dropped at, at our place for fancy, you know, customized, tailored, uh, really nice training versus going to, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, versus going to the shelter. And we see dogs, right. we see dogs, like when they see their owners again, they're like, oh my God, you're back. Like they don't, they don't have any difference. I think it's the state of mind people are in when they're like, I'm not leaving my dog here forever i'm dropping them off for their for their greater good but the dog doesn't understand the difference and anyway my Mm -hmm. point is is after about a week they consider us theirs they don't care they're like okay you're mine now i guess you're a little bit more strict but (laughs) you're you're in my group so this is fine yeah Yeah. and so so don't look in it too much but you know just just change of environment uh finding his footings and trying to get you know whatever but i would say just giving him a job Every single dog that I've ever worked with lacked confidence and structure because they didn't have a job, nothing to do. Okay. And a job doesn't necessarily mean going to work and watching people. It means having obedience. The more obedience you do with him, the more confident he's going to be, the more happier he's going to be, the more fulfilled he's going to be. And having kids yeah. around with a big dog like that, um, there's some sort of fulfillment of being a guardian and okay. <clears throat> um, doing something every day, quote-unquote, air quotes. Um and, and, and whatever. So there's that. Uh, and I think that the more work that you give him and the more things you have him do will definitely make him happier because it makes every dog happier. Um, right. And that's what I would say is just do the best you can to get that mind going and going and going and going and going. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's more just a huge culture shock and, you know, if you had kids running around, you'd probably see a lot of a lot of because you're because you're comparing apples to oranges. You're like, hey, okay, he, yeah, here's Milo in an environment with four other dogs and a bunch of kids. Wow, look at him! And then you bring him to your place with none of literally none of that, no kids, no dogs. 
right? Yeah. So it's you're going right. to see his behavior change based off of that alone. I mean, it's like right. it's like putting a you putting a fish in a fish tank and go, wow, look at that fish, and then taking it out and flopping it on the desk. You're like, well, this is different. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it is different. Okay, you know what I mean? Okay, it's that's that's too- exactly what we're going through. Yeah, because you know, in where he was at, he was in. Um, like a small town in Wyoming, like not a lot of traffic, like huge yard, yeah, you know, all it. fenced in. Um, and now like, you know, we have a small yard and we live in the city. So like, we'll see like on a walk, we'll run into like 20 or 50 different types of dogs. Yeah. And um, so maybe it's just more of a shock to him than, than anything else. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, if you think about it, here's my thing and I'll be transparent with you is when you take a dog away from an environment that is almost perfect. Yeah. It, it, it was ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And then you move them to something that's not as perfect. The reality is, is there is going to be some sort of like, well, this is kind of different. So you have to do everything in your power to, to manifest happiness in a dog through fulfillment of work and exploring and, all that stuff. So more hiking and training and all that stuff. Just keeping them busy and yeah. busy and busy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, those are really the, the only two questions I had. Um, just more like working with like our own confidence about yeah. the, the leash re- reactivity. Sure. Um, Cause he, he does it. I mean, with any, you know, big dogs, little puppies, like anything he'll, he'll kind of aggress towards. Um, yeah. And you know, and like I said, like the more, control you have and the more so a lot of times like most often times when dogs are like reactive like that they i'll give you an example excuse me um my dog which is a saint bernard he um same as your dog he's he's an intact 11 year old saint bernard so you know at like four or five he just stopped liking dogs like seriously, like I would literally be able to put puppies on top of him and he would just be like, all right, rub my belly. Like did not care. <laughs> now, if I put a puppy on him, he'd try to eat it. Like no doubt. <laughs> um, so okay. my point is, is the control. So, so there's different switches for behavioral changes. Some dogs, the dogs that are wearing a lot of the hey, I want to go, 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 go towards that dogs are the dogs who mm-hmm. likely are not serious about anything. Okay. Normally. Yeah. That doesn't mean they won't right. do any damage. That just means that internally they're not really meaning what they look like they mean because dogs are well, very alert-based animals, very suspicious guardian animals. Yeah. And so, like with my dog, he doesn't – if he sees other dogs, like I know he doesn't like that dog, but he doesn't, he, he really just doesn't like that dog. And he doesn't, he doesn't like, I mean, he'll like, you know, let me know there's a dog there, but he's not going to do anything other than that. So it's the dogs that are really outgoingly got to go, got to go, got to investigate. Those are the types of dogs that are just a little uncertain and they need answers. Right. And I think, I think he's a little insecure Definitely. and, my worry is I think it's just a matter of time, like where I'm not paying attention and he gets away from me or like the dog walker, like it, it could happen any day. Mm-hmm. But what I worry about is he's going to do it to the wrong dog. And then there's going to be a fight. Definitely. Um, Especially with his so, size. Right. So like in moving forward, how do I add distraction to his o- obedience work? You know, like, yeah, there's a lot of different like, ways. I mean, it sounds to me that you live in a city with a lot of dogs. So that's a good place yeah. to start. 
Yeah. Well, I like, you know, when I go on a walks, I just like try to find dogs and like work within his threshold and like, you know, try to reward good behavior. Yeah. Um, that's it. Um, you just, that's but, it? Okay. but you, but you got to make sure that's it. But yeah, I mean, you got to make sure that it's good. So, you yeah. know, I tell people all the time, like, so when I used to tell people, some people would be like, I've been training dogs for 30 years and I've done this and I've done that. And I'm like, but if you're doing the same thing and you're not progressional, right. Right, and, and you're not like expanding your toolbox at all, then it's not working. You're not really growing, you know. Right. It's like if you if right. you, you know, if if you were like, hey, I did a push up, I did a push up every day for the last ten years, and you're like, <laughs> okay, well, that, you cool. know, how's that so, working out for you? You know, it's like, right. You know what? Great. I mean, great. It's better than nothing, but at the same time, like, how much change is it making in your life? Yeah. How much change are you making in other people's lives? You know, and so for right. me, that's what it's really about: is being dynamic and evolving, constantly evolving for progression. It's never about perfection; it's about progression. And I think that right. that's that's something that you should strive for: is say, how much better can I get? And that's what I do. If you watch, if you watch my behavior modification training videos, I try to get closer and closer and closer to whatever the dog yeah. is. You know? it's it's so cool to watch and you have some really incredible dogs that will just lay there and you know like they go from like touch pad to touch pad like yeah. that, that's incredible yeah it helps um, that that definitely helps and the other thing i was going to suggest is just trying to find a um a trainer that does group classes yeah so we're we're taking him to it's like a weekly socialization class um you know it's like the same 20 dogs and it's like 10 weeks and you know we, we do that every sunday um, nice. and it, it's going good, but like when he's like, like he, you can see he's anxious or he's really stressed in mm -hmm. th those situations. Do you just let him be stressed or do you try to like remove him from the, mm. the stressor? Good question. I think it just depends on, you know, his breaking point. I think, okay. it's, I think again, it's, it's a lot like uh, human behavior. If you have a, a buddy that's like, you know, afraid of social things. And you're like, hey man, let's just do it. Like, let's just just go to this bar for a beer and just we'll dip out. I know he's like, no man, sure. I just I freak. You know, whatever, whatever the problem is. There's the there's that line of like them becoming like it, it becoming worse for them, and then or them kind of like. Yeah. So there is gonna always be the the stress, and they're gonna wear stress through panting and whatever. <clears throat> so I think you just have to. It's very discretionary. I think you just have to make sure that you're. Okay being conscious of what's good and what's bad, but also um, doing your break. So what, what I tell people in group, I don't do group class anymore. My trainers do, but like when, when we're doing group, um, I tell my clients that have really reactive dogs to decompress them a lot. So bring okay. them into the circle, if you will, work them. They do good. Take a five minute break outside of the circle decompress okay. them. don't like it's so hard for every dog not just dogs who are dealing with other dogs in a problematic way but even excitable dogs that are excited to see other dogs it's so hard for them to sit in a group with that many other dogs and not hit a point of like i i've had enough i got a freak yeah and that's what i'm trying to like balance because you know i think the right amount of stress is good for him right. to like, you know, progress in his behavior, but yeah. too much. I don't want him to associate it with being bad. Yeah. Um, so okay. I think, yeah, just making it as positive as you can, um, making sure that the group is healthy for you guys. Um, okay. making sure that you decompress as much as you need to, or as much as he needs to, to make, you know, don't be afraid to, to tap out for a little bit and take a little break. Um, and just keep pushing him forward. But I think that that's a great, 
a continuing thing to do. Okay, cool. Um, that's really all I really have about Milo. So okay. I appreciate you you taking the time today. Sure, man. No um, problem. Thanks for signing up. I appreciate it. Yeah. Is there anything? I mean, you have a, a much broader experiences than I do. Is there anything like you would? Um, kind of advice you would give for like a troublesome dog like him like things that even aren't on my radar yet um i would say um having realistic expectations and being patient um, okay so patience is big um because like i said you've only had him for five or you know you've had him less than a year not even almost a half less a than year. a year yeah right. so i think patience is big to continue to like figure each other out i think doing new things for an example if you've never taken him hiking or you've never taken him for a weekend to you know camping or something um yeah you might find things that he really 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 enjoys and you can look at him and you'll be like yeah man this dog is happy right now this dog is in his element for an example yeah when it snows here in new york my dog my saint is in his element oh yeah you know yeah <clears throat> so things like that like try to get out of the systematic spinning wheel of everyday okay. stuff and break it down for him and just i mean you know not everybody has that opportunity but if you do keep it simple you know like go for, go to a different area to, to hike um, if you have weekend time, load up the car and drive maybe outside of the city and, and introduce him to new stuff and spend some time with him and don't focus so much on trying to fix stuff. Focus on more mm -hmm. of like, how about you just be, what makes you happy? You know? Yeah. Cause I want it, I want him to just have fun and just like be enriched yeah. in all those good things. Cause like when I take him on a walk now, it's like, I'm stressed, you're stressed. Like no one's having fun, but like we right. need to do this. Right. So I think just having okay. that, having that balance of, you know, just like with people, you know, yeah. like I, I get to travel and work. I'm grateful for that, that I get to travel to all these amazing cities in the country. But I usually take, you know, two days off after uh, in that city mm -hmm. to just like decompress because it's yeah. a lot. So, you know, it, I guess my point is, is work and play uh, and dogs yeah. are the same way. Like, don't don't try to get into like a system uh, with him. You know, if you feel like he's constantly like on edge or he's he's more on edge oftentimes than not try to break it down for him and give him new opportunities to to open new doors for him mentally uh, and physically. And so that's what I would recommend. You know, any dog that you get that's new. So for me, let me give you an example. Like for me and what I do in my profession, mm -hmm. there's things that I would do differently if I could. There's things that, you know, when I put a, a YouTube video out and people watch it. There's a lot of things I would be doing different if I could, but I can't because mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I, I can't, it's not, it's not, it's not my, you know, it's not available. So like if I was a one person show mm -hmm. and I was very selective about taking maybe one dog a month, I would be able to do probably higher quality of work with, with the dog and the owner. But the, but the work that I do with the dogs and the owners, I have to do sometimes six a day. And it's certainly right. a lot better than them not getting help, but there's certain limitations that I have that I would be doing differently if I had the option. Not many people do have the option. Some people do. It's a way of life. You pick and choose like, hey, do you want to be, you want to help a bunch of people or do you want to help a few people better? And, right, right. And I, you know, it's tough because I, I'd rather be 
scalable to help a lot more people. Um, and I'm not saying that the work that I do sometimes isn't effective and life-changing because it is, but for an example, if I had a dog in that wanted to eat me, I would put it on a leash and I would bring it for a hike or I'd bring it okay. for a really long walk, like a two hour walk Okay. and then come back and then maybe do a little bit of work. And then the next day I would do the same thing and then I would do a little bit of work. And then the third day I would do less of a hike and more of training. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I guess my point is, is one thing every dog really, really enjoys that's really relationship building to get to know each other is just go for a, go for a hike or a walk. And of course, if you have a St. Bernard and it's hot out, that walk maybe I can't I can't walk my Saint, so it may be ten minutes or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, so just really getting out and doing new things and spending the time to do things together versus working on things, and I think that that plays a big role, which is why uh, relationship building or team building exercises such as um, giving back to the community by building a house together as a team. Um, there's a micro macro. The micro is, is we're building a house for somebody and that's great. Mm-hmm. But the macro is for that individual team is they're getting to know each other better. They have a better relationship. Therefore in the future, their relationships are going to thrive because they've done outside curriculum that has made them strengthen their relationship. Yeah. So that's a, I, I haven't looked at it that way. Like with, you know, like with Milo. So that's, that's a, that's some good advice. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. How, so talking about what you said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like holiday time now. And, you know, if I go to visit my parents, you know, they have like two chihuahuas and stuff like that. Um, I don't really plan to introduce Milo to a lot of dogs, you know, until I get, until I feel like I can trust him more. Mm -hmm. Um, but how would that, like, what would that process look like? If I, if I went to my parents' house and wanted him to like play nice, you know? Well, I think it's about responsibility management and expectations. I think it's, okay. Hey, we have this huge dog and we have these little small dogs and we're going into their home and we're bringing the big dog into somebody else's home. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of safety precautions that, you know, that there's a high risk for failure because he doesn't like other dogs and right. who knows how they're going to act. So for me, it would, there's two things. The first thing is, is I would find somebody to maybe take care of Milo while you're gone. That's going to be the less, that's going to be the least stress on everybody. Um, The second thing is, is just being very like dry with it, cut and dry. Like not like, Oh, let's try to make this work. Cause then your parents have to become professional dog trainers overnight. Your parents' dogs have to all of a sudden be trained and listen and have expectations and uh, consistency and um, you know, whatever. And so for me, if it's something like I have to bring my dog somewhere where there's other dogs, I'm going to say, hey, can you do me a favor? When I come over, just put your put your dogs away for like 10 minutes, and I'm just going to let Milo in, and I'm going to let him out back. Or I'm going to put him in the other room with the music on, and and I'm just we're just going to create and rotate. We're just going to separate okay. them, and there's no stress. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just curious. Um, like we, we have a kennel here, and like the guy, like he's great. They live out on a farm, so – that's probably, you know, more realistic what we'll do with my It's own. less stress um, on everybody. It's not – I think too many times people are like, but I want them to – it's like, yeah, but they don't give a shit. Like, they don't care. No. Just just, just <laughs> no. bring them somewhere happy. They're going to hang out for the week. You go enjoy the time with your family and don't try to put a square peg in a round hole because it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. I feel – so – and this brings up uh, – maybe this is outside your scope, but some like – interpersonal stuff with Kenzie and I because you know she like talks to him like he's a baby and like mm-hmm. you know like lots of dog talk like on the walk and it, and like in my mind it's just like he, 
it, it needs to be more binary. Like dogs don't understand what you're saying. It needs to be yes or no. Like the, they, they understand good things and bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you suggest to get her more on board with this? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm editing a video right now uh, about th- this case where this German shepherd comes in. He bites his owner in the session, tries to bite me four or five times. He's a sweet dog, but he's gotten away with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all because of that. It's I call it killing him with kindness. So yeah. dogs don't – it's hard. It, it's a very hard thing to explain to people who don't understand dog behavior. But, right, and I feel consistency is key, and it's too inconsistent well, at the moment. For... Well, what it, what it comes down to is if you're complaining or Kenzie's complaining about Milo dragging her, that's their relationship. You treat me like a baby, yeah. I drag you down the road. <laughs> that's, a, that's how this goes. That's a goes, good point. Period. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and then when you need, like, him to listen, he's going to be like, um, p- pardon me, uh, ma'am, but you've just treated me like a Gerber baby for the last six months of my life, so I'm definitely not listening to you. Right, so, and part of it, it's like, does he even respect her? Or, absolutely. like, you know, he definitely, like, loves her, but exactly, exactly. when it comes to the respect, I don't know if it's there. Well, think um, about it. Think about it like a relationship with, like, a kind of friend where you're, like, it's all, like, almost like a colleague or something. It's, like, usually mm-hmm. all positive and, hey, man, like, yeah, good to see you. Like, let's hang out. Like, yeah, man, let's grab, yeah. Let's, and it's never really, you know, manifesting into anything. It's just very friendly. And then when something happens uncomfortable where you're like, did you just do, did you just, did I just hear, you know, and you're, it's uncomfortable because you don't have that relationship. Yeah. You know? And so okay. it's the same thing with dogs is if you're baby, this baby, that you're literally, literally ruining your relationship when you do that with your dog. Now I'm yeah. not saying like my, I talk to my dogs every day, yeah. but I don't have the expectation of them actually doing something. And, you know, but some people take it too far where if I'm like, I'm like, hey, bud, like, you know, and I'll play with his head or my, my, Mm -hmm. my Dutch shepherd will do something crazy. I'm like, you're crazy. Like, I'm not having expectations of them actually understanding what I'm saying. And, and they don't take me seriously either. Whenever we talk, I can tell you this for sure. I've been studying this a long time. I can tell you this for sure. When we talk to our dogs, it's, it's a very, very selfish thing that we do as humans the only 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 reason we talk to our dogs is to make ourselves feel better about our relationship with our dogs period okay that's it so you got to really take that into consideration when i'm actually training a dog like actually trying to train Mm -hmm. i don't it's silence like if i'm training for a client i'm talking because i'm explaining right and there's a lot of like training the client as well. No, it's not, not so even it's dog. not it's not even a lot. It's all of all of it. Yeah. <clears throat> Whenever I yeah. talk, I'm not talking to the dog. I'm talking to the owners. And it's the yeah. same and I've been watching I've been studying a lot about like human behavior too is you know, dog dog owners will they get nervous about certain situations, especially like if they're in front of me and we're training and I hand the leash back to the to the dog owner one of the first things they do as I'm still explaining things is look at their dog and tell them to sit. They don't know what else to do. They just, they cue, they go, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to do with this dog. So I tell them to sit. They don't really care if the dog sits. They don't even respond if the dog doesn't sit. They just, they get nervous and they say, Hey, do this. 
So more precision-based following up, like very serious, not diluted stuff. Like when you're training, train, but when you don't, don't. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that that's the single most detrimental thing to dog anxiety, stress, lack of control, and terrible relationship building is to have that very, my dog loves me. I'm like, I'd rather have a dog respect me than love me every day. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Like not even, cause I, it, cause I it's, agree with cause that. It's, it saves their life. And right. And, and you know, we rescue the dog cause he was in a shelter. He was going to be euthanized, you know, like all that stuff. But if we can't keep him safe, then what's the point of having him, um, or keep, keeping him and other people safe. So yeah. and one thing that just popped in my head that I've never, I wrote it down cause I'll forget, but love doesn't stop bad behaviors. Right, like yeah, ever. that's yeah. So you gotta look that's at your point. you gotta look at your relationship. You know what stops bad behaviors? Discipline, respect. Oh crap, yeah. I'm in trouble. I, I I fear the the punishment. And a lot of people, there's like this marketing manipulation theory out there where there's certain positive reinforcements or force free trainers are like, we don't train with fear, and they're kind of they're dumping it on as manipulation of saying that if you don't train with us, you're you're making your dog fear you. Which is yeah, and it's kind way. of building. It's kind of building on that whole PC culture too, yes. which you know, and like you know, there. I think there's positives and negatives for that. But when you come to the dogs and like you see some of the dogs you work with, like mm-hmm. you can't throw a stake nope. at it and get the dog to stop. You know, like nope. it's just not possible. I had a. Like, it's dude. It, it 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 hurts my brain. It makes me sick to my stomach that there's these things that are happening. I mean, you want to talk about messed up things right under our eyes right under our noses you want to talk about like really politically based like gray area of like i never knew this stuff was happening oh yeah talk about force-free purely positive dog training the the manipulation and the lying and the just lack of irresponsibility and professionalism that goes with that is disgusting Do- that well, type of dog training kills more dogs than anything else in the world. Well, and like I feel like you have to be, you know, a certain level of professional to do it. Um, because if you're if you're not rewarding the right things, you're going to reinforce the wrong behaviors, yes. and then you're just going to get this out of control dog yes. who thinks everything's good. Um, yes, and I think so, oh, yeah, and I think the other thing is too is like when I talk about this, I'm not like purely positive. Like I'm 97 percent purely positive, but I'm not purely anything because that's stupid right. as hell. If I'm a fixer, <laughs> if I fix anything, I'm not purely anything. What the hell? Would you want to go to somebody that is purely anything? Like I'm only like I, I take my few my food pure, but I don't take my services pure because I know that there's different things that you're gonna have to do as an instructor to change for every single client because everything's different and i feel it's just really restrictive too because you know everything's a case-by-case basis and like something might work from one dog but not for another dog and like you you just need to adapt yeah it's nuts dude it's so inhumane and so freaking irresponsible but the thing is i can go on all day about this but the thing is is these people who are training like this, there's some people who have no idea the damage that they're doing, and I believe that, and it's ignorance, and I do believe that. I don't think they're out there to hurt dogs, and I don't think they're out there to lie to their, their clients. I think that they were f- they were fed BS by somebody who was going, train purely positive and force-free. We are a 
you know, non-fear, well, of course I don't want to, you know, like it's crazy, but yet I deal with this every day, but I tell people proof is in the pudding. Like you're talking to me about another trainer because it's not working out and it never will. Right. Well, and then I started like looking into this and like you look at like, you know, England and Europe, for example, like, you know, they ban prong collars and e-collars, you know, they're illegal over there. Yep. And you just like, imagine you have like a red line dog, like you just have to put it down. They're dead. They're dead. And, and it's just like, is your point to save more dogs or is your point to push your lens, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And just get rid of all the bad dogs, you know? Yep. They push Um, their agenda or what you call bad dogs, you know? Yeah. I had a, Um, I had a client yesterday reach out. She said, Hey, having trouble with my dogs fighting. Can you help? I said, that's all I do. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and she said, well, we had this other trainer came over, and they really just used uh, clickers and, tr- and treats. And she's like, it really didn't work. I'm like, you think? I'm like, you you're, telling me, you're telling me that you had an issue with two dogs, or th- actually three dogs, fighting in the same household. And she told me that they're uh, – and she didn't go into detail, but she told me that the other trainer came over, and it really didn't work. Because all she was doing is teaching them how to use a clicker and reward their dog. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you could literally go to the 4-H club right now and a 10-year-old can t- teach you how to do that type of conditioning. <laughs> it's very yeah. easy. Like, well, but that's definitely then... not going to solve your freaking problem. And then she's no, and like, then... I spent so much money on it. And I'm like, you wasted your time. And more importantly, your dogs still aren't safe. And neither is your daughter or your other family members. Like, that's it's – dude, it drives me crazy right no and and i look at it more like you know how do you want to invest your time you know if you could spend an hour with like 10 reactive dogs and you know get it under control or spend two years doing like positive based stuff with one dog I've seen it. you know yeah well in like i think there's like um uh it's not barf but there's some like beha- bat training right or i'm sure yeah there's so many, I, I don't know yeah. there, there's some like training model for it so yeah, it's crazy, um, I, and I've but, seen that. I've seen cl- I've seen clients coming in freaking dude. I've seen clients come in in tears because they're like, "You're my last hope." My other trainer worked six months and couldn't do it, and I and I shit you not. I swear to God, on my life, on my dog's life, anything <laughs> that anybody values, I swear to God on. I can I can I'm not fixing these stuff. I'm giving the people like change really quick. By saying, your dog's yeah. trying to eat another dog, I'm going to punish your dog, and the behavior changes. Their jaw flops on the floor. They go, oh, my God. They, tears of joy come pouring down because they thought yeah. that this was impossible. And I said, well, it's not that I'm good. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying you were doing all the wrong things for six months to push somebody else's ideology agenda. And it's sad, and it's sickening. And you want to talk about like the bad things that are going on in this world? If society actually knew exactly what's going on with like the purely positive pushing, and the thing is, is I'm not against purely positive. I'm against people who who hit a wall with purely positive, and then those trainers saying that it's impossible to go any other route. Purely positive yeah. is something I I normally do. Good boy, good girl. Here's treats. Let's teach stuff. Good job. But then there is times where I'm like, hey, how about you not try to bite me? That'd be great. And hey, how about you not pull your owner down and scrape their face and cause them a concussion and give them seizures? And like, I'd rather you not do that. And you know, there right. there is so so the thing is for me is like, 
I think there's a time and a place to do certain things and, and agility and and trick training and all that stuff where if they don't do it right, you're not going to punish them. But when we're talking about behavioral-based, life-changing, life-threatening behaviors, we can't ignore that stuff because it's inhumane. Yeah. And there are certain people that have the agenda flipped on the other end. And be, here's the problem is they are purely positive training for dogs that are going to accept purely positive to, to welcome them into yeah, progression. Yeah, they're eight-week-old golden retriever puppies. 100%. Yeah. And then as soon, yeah. as, you, as soon as you leak in a dog, with a behavioral problem because that particular trainer says that they're a certified dog trainer and they got reviews from the local newspaper and they've done a news article and their ego can't fit through the door they'll say this dog is too out of control and i literally have seen that and dogs die more a day because of purely positive trainers turning dog owners around because it's out of their comfort zone. And it's really yeah. easy, really easy for not only me, but other behavioral training, balanced dog trainers, all my staff. It's super easy. And the problem is, is they're forcing and they're, you know, it's just like with, I mean, look at the shit that we're dealing with in the world just in general. It's, yeah. it's the media and the people who are shoving stuff down our throat to feed our emotions of like fear, fear free, no punishment, don't hurt, no shit. Nobody wants to do that to their dog. Right. But like, it's, it's a safety thing. So I didn't mean to boil, boil your blood this early in the morning. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's all good. I could, I, it's all good. And it's not, it's, it's, it's aggravating, but it's reality. So it's something no, that like, no. And I, I really appreciate like, you know, the, the passion you have for this and all the content you put out because, you know, if like the first thing I did was started like researching, you know, dog behavior and what to do in these situations. Yeah. And, uh, like for me, YouTube was like a big help. And like, I really sure. appreciate all the, the content you put out. It's, it's made me feel a lot more comfortable in, in, in what I'm doing. So you're welcome, man. It was nice to chat with you. If you have any other yeah. questions and you ever want to like sign up again, let me know. Um, I wish you the okay, best yeah. of luck. All right, you guys, that's a wrap, a Rizzy wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as you guys saw, it, 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 you know, the podcast, it goes up, down, sideways, and all sorts of different ways. We, we went over a lot of different things and discussed a lot of different topics. Um, and you know, I just, I love talking about dogs and I love working with people. Um, so it was great, great session. I appreciate you guys listening. Hey, listen, if you guys haven't yet, we're always doing giveaways on every platform that I'm doing. So podcasting, uh, Instagram and YouTube, but I'm going to be giving away some free stuff. All you guys have to do is screenshot this right now on your device and then share it on Instagram and tag me at Tom Davis and you'll be automatically entered to win. Some free No Bad Dog merch. Uh, we just came out with some new stuff, new leashes, new shirts, all that stuff. So anyway, hope everyone's having a good day. Hope everyone has a rest of the day. Good. Wait, what? Anyway, I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.